0: of our lesson is uh, Priscilla and Aquila, real life real impact. you know one of the things that we got into as we wrote the book is is looking at biblical characters um, more as, as real people. you know sometimes we, we look at these people in the Bible like joseph and and, and the proverbs thirty one woman and, and and Nehemiah and those kinds of people as like you know they 're like Bible people right and they 're way up there we 'll never attain what they are but as we wrote the book and thought about these people and thought about them as just, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, real people. That they had jobs. Many of them had jobs. Nehemiah was one where he had a job, very high level job. He reported to a guy that was of a different faith. And so when we start looking at those kinds of things, you know, we can really relate to these people and they're probably more like us than we, than we think sometimes. And so um, uh, one of those couples is Priscilla and Aquila. We like them, one, because it's a man and a woman working together. Uh, They could have been 22 years old. They could have been 32, 42, 52. They could have been any, you know. And and so I I think they're very identifiable for all of us. And so we're going to talk about them today. So go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 18. And I'm going to start reading uh, right in verse 1. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So that's where their story begins, is this uh, this passage. And it doesn't say a whole lot about them. But there's some things if we just think and talk a little bit about that we can derive from them you know priscilla and aquila at some point before we see them here they were obviously a man and a woman that uh, fell in love and married each other Uh, they were both tent makers maybe one of them uh, had 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 a family line had learned that trade from their parents or something but they worked together in a business and uh, and then at one point we know that they were Christians and we know at at one point they, they 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 were not and they discovered Jesus and they discovered they learned about who Jesus was. And and it really started to change your life, which we'll we'll start to look at. But they were in a spot where uh, they had their business. I can picture, you know, Aquila and Priscilla tent making sign on their on their business. Maybe that was a bump for them one day. Maybe Priscilla thought it should be Priscilla and Aquila 10th. Maybe not. Yeah. But, they, uh, but they had their business. And uh, the gov- there was some, some disruption going on in Rome. And so the governor essentially kicks out all of the people, all the Jews, including Priscilla and Aquila. And so let's just stop right there for a second. Can you imagine the governor of Virginia hearing about the, your church here? the Blue Ridge Church. It's like, you guys are not accepting. You stick way too close to the Bible. We're moving to a more liberal stance. You guys are just not a good match for the state of Virginia. I need you guys to get out. Move out. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's almost unimaginable in the culture that we live in. But that's exactly what happened. Okay, they were ordered to move out. Now it could have been, and I kind of picture it this way, where like, you guys are moving out, and you got 24 hours. Get out. I don't care about your jobs. I don't care about your families. I don't care about whatever problems you have. Get out. Wow. And so they had to leave. They had to leave. But in that time, you know, God's at work in their lives. We don't know how in a lot of different ways. But he takes them to Corinth. They land in Corinth. And there, they run into another guy named Paul. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul was also a tent maker? When you think about how God has been working in their life, far beyond we, before we read about them, in their skill sets and who they were, their jobs, their family lives, whatever it was, to get them to have that skill set that matched up with a guy that in the end would write you know, half the New Testament, right? And they would have the same uh, this, that, that tent making in common and they became great friends. It says they made tents together. So you picture them working, you know, working side by side. You picture a customer, you know, they had a business. So I'm sure they had some great customers that paid on time and did all of that. And I'm sure they had some upset customers. <laughs> and so day to day, they dealt with a lot of the same things that you and I deal with. Okay? They were under pressure to do their job, they had to pay their bills, they had to do this. And at one point, they had to pick up and move to another city where they met Paul and they continued their business there. Mm-hmm. So when we think about how God has worked in them, Priscilla and Aquila, years before we even read about them, I want you to just think about your life. You know, God's been working in your life too. God has been working in your life from before you were even born. And he provided you experiences, people, teachers, coaches, friends. He has been preparing you to get to this point where you're sitting here today listening and reading and studying about Priscilla and Aquila, who God worked in their lives. And it's kind of fun to think about, how has God worked in my life? How has God, what has he been doing? What has he been preparing me for? And I'll let Beth share.
1: So on the uh, height difference. It's always awkward when we have to dance together. The thought I have here on on um, how God prepared Priscilla and Aquila, partic- particularly for the for the women in the audience, I think I think the thing I find most challenging about this, this this first aspect of Priscilla and Aquila is is that I think they saw the glasses half full, and they saw the glasses half full. And I find I find in my family and my marriage that that what can be a challenge can be viewed as the glasses half empty, or is it half full? Full, because you believe that God has, God is preparing for whatever this is that's going on with you. And one of the biggest mind openers for, for me in the last the last several years is when whether it's a professional difficulty or a, a church difficulty or um, you know we've had ups and downs with our kids and their walks with God or their their choices in their lives. Whatever those circumstances are, do I really see them as God is preparing me this way, uh, the way that Priscilla and McCullough did it? Because, um, because if you can view it as the glass is half full and God has prepared you, then all of a sudden you're like, you're on the springboard. What's next? Where can I go next? What can I do next? Instead of some of the baggage and the stuff that, you know, that holds us back um, when it's not our worldview, that, world, that the glass is half full when unexpected stuff can be viewed either way.
0: Amen. Okay, farther in uh, Acts chapter 18, let's uh, look down at verse uh, verse 18, where we'll pick up the story with uh, Priscilla and Aquila. It says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and the sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Crencia because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went on to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. And then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed in Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem, greeted the church, then went down to Antioch. So Priscilla and Aquila and Paul are together in Corinth. And we've already seen, you know, Priscilla and Aquila. You know, they're working people. They had good days and bad days. I'm sure struggled. Maybe it was very hard for them to move to Corinth. It's very easy to imagine that. But they spend the time with with uh, with Paul. At the heart of them, though, we see them uh, go with Paul from from Corinth and on to uh, Ephesus. I'm sorry. On to uh, uh, they left the brothers. I'm sorry. They sailed, he went off to, uh, they arrived in Ephesus. Yes, I'm sorry. So they go to Ephesus together, and so they, now they've moved to another city. Priscilla and Aquila at their heart, their priority wasn't their tent making. Their priority wasn't uh, something else other than Jesus and doing the work of God. Amen. They still had their full-time jobs. They still had their marriage. They may have had kids, maybe not. No one really knows. But at at their heart and in their soul, Jesus was their Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to to note that. And then Paul decides to leave them there and go on from there. Because Paul trusted them. They were were trustworthy people. They were grateful people. They gave their hearts to the people. They were people that we can look at and say, wow, they're kind of like me. I I go to work, or I go to school, but yet Jesus is their Lord, they're in the battle, I'm in the battle, and they were really trustworthy, and they gave their hearts to the people around them. That's awesome.
1: Okay, so, you know, and this idea of them, of of Priscilla and Aquila being prepared to to bring it, (laughs) being prepared to give, being prepared to create a possibility um, I, I, I love it, I, I love it that when you read through this narrative of Priscilla and Aquila that, um, you know, they just pop up enough, you know, it's almost just their names, you know, but you get, you get the sense that they're like the fabric of the church and they're the fabric of, of what goes on around them and, and that is, you know, that is what, what many of us are in the church, Amen. you know, I mean, we work real jobs, we write texts, we share our faith, we have very big lives. And I would love for it to be said that as as tent maker people, that we're the kind of people that are like Priscilla and Aquila. That if Drew and Jenny were gone, this church would be as fired up as as when they were here. Because we all have the part to play of, of leadership. Of, of using our, our professions, using our, our neighborhoods, using the ministry that God has put in front of us, our harvest field, as a way to include people in his in his body, Amen. you know the gospel is so important it cannot rely on us not using our jobs, our community right. our our lifestyle uh, uh, for him, and you just get that sense that Priscilla and Aquila were these trustworthy motivated you know self-starting disciples whether they were with paul or they won't they had enough of a relationship with paul that i think they probably learned a lot about ministry work and and doing the gospel stuff i mean you would imagine that um and yet and yet they they were not together all the time they were very motivated to move on i think we all have an obligation to figure out what is that thing that god has prepared me to do to fill in a space in this church in this community and what we do
0: awesome yeah excellent all right, let's read, uh, read on, and starting at verse 24. Come on, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. He taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard them, They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and his sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his his Jewish opponents in the public debate, proving that the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So Priscilla and Aquila, we saw them you know, prepared by God. And then they were left by themselves, uh, well, left from, from Paul to, to lead with God. And now we see them prepared to be used by God. And it's just a really interesting story. You know, I picture Priscilla and Aquila, you know, maybe they're walking along. Or maybe they went and, to specifically hear this guy, Apollos. And if you caught the description of Apollos... That he, uh, at the end, you know, he vigorously refuted people. Mm-hmm. He spoke with great fervor. He was a learned man. He's a kind of guy that would, might be kind of intimidating. <laughs> I picture him as a big guy, a uh, very smart guy. I picture him talking deep voice and very loud. That Jesus is the Son of God. And it says that he taught about Jesus accurately, right? So he's in a room maybe like this. Maybe there's more people. And he's talking about Jesus, how Jesus is the Son of God, and that we should make Jesus our Lord. And then how you know, God is amazing, and how much he loves you, and how much that we should you know, repent of our sins, how much we should give our hearts to God, and then we should be baptized with the baptism of John. And then, and so then at some point I picture Priscilla and Aquila maybe sitting in the back. Like, did he just say what I thought he said? <laughs> Like, you know, and it's kind of you know how a dog kind of looks at you and turns their head like that. <laughs> I picture that kind of a moment where they're sitting there and they look at each other, scratch their head, and they're thinking, huh, well, it seems like this fellow might need a little bit of help. <laughs> so how would they know that? Well, one, they've got to spend time in their Bibles. They've got to spend their time with their God they got to spend time with their God and together and encouraging the people and encouraging those around them. They need to be prepared on the moment when they see somebody who who needs to hear about God. They needed to be prepared, and they were. They were prepared in the moment to be used by God. So they hear this, and a lot of it's great, but then there's this one thing that's off, and it's actually a pretty critical item. And so they go up to this guy who's actually pretty intimidating, (laughs) Again, he was the learned man, the scholar, the one everybody was listening to, who had the loud voice and spoke with great fervor. He was animated. He was, like I said, he was intimidating. And so they go up to him, and they invite him to to his home. You know, that's a great example for us of being prepared. Being prepared every day. God runs people into us every day. Yep.
1: On,
0: every day. And so we need to be ready with the heart of Priscilla and Aquila. The heart of, of of being able to reach out to someone to be a friend. The heart to teach them about Jesus, to teach them the truth. And it's such a it's such a great example of being prepared on the moment, because you just never know when that may happen. Oh. Yeah.
1: Okay, so the thought I want to talk about here is the idea of inclusion, including people into your lives, and a little bit of how that works for me. So in the last, in the last several years, we have generally found it to be true that I'm more the key to bringing friends than, than Phil is. And I take that job very seriously in our, in our, in our marriage, is that if I, if I can bring a girl, then a guy a lot of times can come, come with him. And he, he has guy friends he brings as well, but the vast majority of the people we reach out to together are, it's probably 80-20. Or So, you know, it's mostly me. And so and my harvest field is actually my workplace. I work at a I work at a large company um, and I'm a fairly senior person in that company. And I decided about 10 years ago that I was going to start shamelessly sharing my faith. Amen. And I was going to get uncomfortable with it. Um, it went to a whole new level of uncomfort this past year when we wrote this book and it sort of blew up. We were coming to Virginia, Paul Hutchins, the old Paul Hutchins, and you know him. He like totally outed us on he outed us on social media, and um, you know, these brilliant people were coming to do this TED talk over in Hampton Roads. And my family didn't know what was going on. Um, my friends didn't know what was going on. My our church, you know, my workplace. You know, I have friends that follow me, and they're like, "What is going on with you?" And so now if you follow us on social media, there's a fair amount of religious content that's, that's on my social media. And I work for a very liberal company. And so I'm in a place now where I, I am feeling a little uncomfortable that I'm such a, a, a Jesus, you know, freaky person on my social media. I'm like, am I really that person? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I am. Um, and so and I'm, try, I'm really trying to get more comfortable with it. And I look at every text, every um, like, every comment is somebody that I can reach out to. And so the way that rolls up then, okay, in a lifestyle of inclusion for me personally is, like, I always invite a lot of women to Women's Day. Um, it's my favorite holiday of the year. Um, it was Women's Day. And um, about three or four years ago, I had a friend of mine. And my level at where I work, in my workplace, my harvest field, is vice presidents. That's my harvest field. Um, officer of the company. Uh, these kinds of people. And so I invite my friends who are those kinds of friends, and I, they, they come to the Women's Day. So I usually have like a, I usually have like a, my workplace like has a table. And so people are entertained by that because it's just a weird group of women. I mean, it's not your common group of women. Um, uh, that you would find together sitting at a table And one of my friends came She is my age, she has adult children And so she came, she had a good time I asked her later, do you want to study the Bible? And she says, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sort of recovering From this other you know, religion thing And it's really not so much about me And then she sees on social media that we wrote a book She says, what's your book about? Tell her what the book's about She goes, my daughter is a leader in, in young life I go, really? I go, I would love to send her a book you know? She bought a book um, I've got another young. I mean, my my immediate work area. My social media is so out of control. They're like, "Where are you going this weekend? What are you guys doing?" This weekend? You know, I got a, I got a young a young mom in my a young mom in my group. Uh, young families that we were with on Friday night. You know, those people. You know, she's got two small kids, three and six. She's doing a book club on her book with her friends that I don't participate in. And so, you know, I, I have found that as I have be- become this, um, you know, I'm a very desirable I'm a very desirable employee. I, I am very valuable in, in my job position. Um, I've worked at that really, really hard for what I believe is now uh, with the age I am and the credibility, empty nesters, of then speaking, speaking with life experiences that will include other people. I would want anybody to have my life at 54 years old. And, and I live my life like that. And so the idea that your eyes are open, you know, I just, I feel like in the last 10 years, my eyes are just so much more open to who can I include in what way. Because this is, you know, these are God's people. Who wouldn't want to be here with God's people? Yeah, and so let that come out of your, uh, your pores. Don't be afraid of, the worst it gets is that's not for me. And I'm still your friend. Let's have lunch. That's the worst it gets for me.
0: Okay. Amen. I always say she's a featured speaker, and, and uh, I do my best. Um, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, we, we've talked uh, 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 with the groups over the last couple days uh, a lot about dreaming and having a dream, having a, uh, creating a dream where your, life, your full life is in service of God. When you look at uh, Priscilla and Aquila, Uh, You can see just from a little bit that we can read. That their marriage was not in conflict with their work. Mm -hmm. Nor was their work in conflict with their Christianity. Or Christianity in conflict with their marriage. And I don't know if they had kids or not. But that stuff wasn't in conflict with each other. You can see God working actually in all of it. It was their whole lives that were in service of God. It was their tent making that that got them together with Paul. And how they could become good friends with Paul. And that got them to, to serve in ways they probably had never dreamed of before. And then when they run into uh, Apollos, you know, their their eyes were open. They had had some intention. Uh, We talked a little bit about some of the classes. I skipped over a little bit about IPA. We write about this. In fact, that was the last part of the book we wrote, but it ended up actually at the very front of the book because it's so important. IPA, having intention, planning, and action. Okay? Intention, planning, and action. Now, at the end of this service... All of us, I assume we go out those back doors to leave. Let me put this into a little bit of a a simple light. We will have the intention of walking out those doors when we're done singing, when we're done praying, when the service is done. We can even plan for those doors. If you're sitting over here, I assume your plan will be to go up this aisle over here. might be to go up this aisle to head out towards those doors. For me, I'm sitting over here. I'll probably go up that aisle. So I can plan on that, Right? But unless I start to walk out, what happens? We can have intentions, good intentions, good dreams, good thoughts. We can actually get advice on things. I want to do this, or how can I serve? How can I do this? We can even plan, put some, put some thoughts on paper and plan out how we might be able to serve or how we might be able to reach out to the community in a better way. But unless there's an A, the action... They just remember they just remain thoughts on a paper or just remain dreams and thoughts or prayers in our head. Yeah. And I think God really wants that of us. He wants us to put ourselves out there. He wants us to dream and, and put plans in place to enact upon those dreams. Yeah. Priscilla and Aquila, that's exactly what they did. They didn't they didn't they weren't people who just kept to themselves. They weren't people that were grateful for Jesus and then just kept to to, to themselves to do their do their little business. They were people. What an, a great example for us! They were the lights to the community, lights to the other brothers and the sisters. And they went on, and it wasn't just this this small snippet of time. I think one of the one of the really cool things. When we look at is their tent making and their lives and their their reaching out to people and so forth continued. You know, many years later, 55 A.D., Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord and so does the church that meets at their house. In 57 A.D., Drew had mentioned this earlier. Paul writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but for the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And nine years later, in 66 AD, Paul's letter, to, his second letter to Timothy, he says to greet Priscilla and Aquila. It was a long life of giving themselves to, to God, giving themselves to the people around them. I'll let go ahead and best here.
1: Okay, so uh, so my thought here is, uh, how do you do it over and over again? You know, I mean, over the long haul, how does that how does that work over and over again? And you know, again, I, I guess I want to reach to some of the uh, to some of the women here, particularly some of the moms, uh, especially some of the young moms. And um, and if you're a, if you're a young mom, um, you know, I think you got one of the most blessed and one of the most hardest jobs in being a disciple. Uh, we were with you on Friday night. We did a lesson. It was called Marriage in Your Zoo. You know, and we're all in the whole zoo with them, you know, on that night. And it can be really hard. But the over and over and over again part, I think, is about find your heart and find out what you can give. It's not about all the stuff you cannot do. Yeah. You know, and, and God, doesn't, you know, God doesn't need anything more than your heart and do something. You know, I shared on Friday night, you know, I'm sure we spent a year where the best thing we did for God's people was we cut out crafts for children's ministry. It wasn't that glamorous. But it was what I could do. And so the over and over again thing is just being prepared. The young children lives, it's a season. It'll be over. I cannot believe my children are like we're not going to have a teenager at the end of the month. I am like, where did it go? Um, and so the over and over again is be present in what your stage is now and find something you can give your heart to. Give your heart to doing something and then allow God to, to grow it around you, uh, so to be free of that stuff. I mean, the worst thing I think for young moms is to feel like I'm not enough here, I'm not enough there, I'm not enough there, I'm not enough. The laundry list behind you of all the things that you are not. If you could let go of that and just find something to put, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, it doesn't even say what they did other than the Apollo story right. and their tent makers. It doesn't even it's not even specific. To me, that's creative license. Like, we can do what we want. So find something you can give your heart to is my advice.
0: Amen. You know, I uh, was reading one time in Colossians chapter 3, I'll read the scripture. When Paul was writing... And um, in verse 23, he wrote, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I sometimes wonder, when I look at that, if he paused for a moment and thought about Priscilla and Aquila. As this verse like, describes them to the T, that whatever they did, they were doing it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they can be such an inspiration for us today. You know, what if I told you that in the year, let's say 4034, that there would be somebody on the other side of the planet talking about this group that used to meet in some place called Charlottesville, Virginia, 2,000 years ago? And they told stories about you. They told stories about these people that would gather together to worship, to give to each other and give to the community. They would tell the stories of the Pie Fest and other events that you would have. They would tell a story of somebody who found God and did some amazing things for Christianity thereafter. A guy that or a girl that was met on November 4th, 2019. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? It's, pretty, it's a pretty high calling, isn't it? To think that that could happen. Well, let's look at Priscilla and Aquila. You know, at some point before we, we read about them, they were tent makers, they were married, and they had friends. Somewhere along the lines, they found out about Jesus, became disciples, and their world changed, all for the good. Do you think if they were standing here today, or if we could go back to their time then, and say, Priscilla and Aquila, you know what? In November of 2019, 2,000 years from now, roughly, there's going to be some people talking about you guys. What do you mean? We're, just, we, we're tent makers. What do you mean? No, no, no. We know you're tent makers. But we're going to tell the story of how you met Paul and how God brought you guys together. Well, what's so great about that? We became friends and we made tents, tents together. We, we did our best to, to help people become Christians and, and encourage people around us and that. No, it gets even better. We're going to tell a story about how you met Apollos. What do you mean, Apollos? I mean, we, you know, he was there. He was just off in what he was teaching. Yeah. What do you mean? We're going to tell, you, tell stories about how Paul encouraged you and how your whole life was in service of God. Do you think they would have believed it? They were just people who did their day jobs. Mm-hmm. They were just people who went to work. They were just people who loved their God yeah. and had dreams for God. They were just people like you and like me, like Beth, and like all of us. They were just people who loved their God and had a dream for God and created a full life that served God. Mm-hmm. And here we are standing 2,000 years talking about them. And I submit to you that maybe it is possible for some people to talk about you, to talk about this church, to talk about our families of churches 2,000 years from now. Mm-hmm. But we need a dream. We need a dream to serve God. Yeah. We need a, a dream to create a full life in the service of God. Whether you're 15, whether you're 25, 75, 85, or 105. If you're 105, thank you for being here. <laughs> so I encourage you. We want to, to, we want to be your biggest fans. And uh, we thank you again so much for having us this weekend. Thank you so much for that we could share our lives a little bit with you. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge podcast. My name is Seth Mitchell, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 7 p.m. Wednesdays or 10.30 a.m. Sundays in
1: Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.